Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you have joined us. Before we get started today, I want to say thanks to Nancy Derringer of Deadline Detroit and Sandra Swoboda of Great Lakes Now and all of you who showed up at Whiskey 6 in Gross Point yesterday from 6 to 8 for our Smart Politics Happy Hour. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of good conversations about the issues that are going on here in Southeast Michigan, throughout the state, and a little bit in the nation. We're going to take some of those conversations up with us to Mackinac Island for the Mackinac Policy Conference at the end of May. But I said this last night to the crowd, and I'll say it again. I really, really appreciate when people show up for events like this. It is uh, it is a real treat for me to be able to talk with you face-to-face uh, in addition to talking with you each day here on the radio. So thanks to everyone who showed up. And stay tuned for the next Smart Politics Happy Hour, which will be in a couple of months. We'll decide where and when that will be, and uh, you'll be able to join us there as well. Uh, also, I want to note that we had planned to have Quincy Troop, one of my favorite writers and a biographer of Miles Davis, with us here on the show today. We've got news, though, that is going to bump that over. But stay tuned to Culture Shift today when uh, Quincy Troop will talk with Detroit Today producer Jake Neer about his appearance here in Detroit uh, this weekend. Uh, so you don't want to miss that either. But up first for us today, there was huge news yesterday as a federal appeals court ruled that 34 of Michigan's legislative and congressional district lines are a, quote, extremely grave constitutional violation because of the way they were gerrymandered for partisan advantage to benefit Republicans. The sweeping decision would require Michigan to redraw those districts before Election Day in 2020. That is just around the corner. And it would force us to hold state Senate elections that year, which are not scheduled. Those would be two years early, cutting short the terms of people who were just elected last year. The effects of this ruling, if it stands, would be expansive and unprecedented in state politics. And that's where we want to begin the conversation today with this ruling about gerrymandering here in Michigan. And joining us to talk more about it is Nancy Wang. She's the executive director of Voters Not Politicians, which is the group that spearheaded last year's successful ballot measure that is meant to end partisan redistricting in Michigan as of the 2022 elections. Uh, This ruling yesterday, of course, affects all of those things earlier. Nancy Wang, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, we've followed this case pretty closely here uh, on Detroit Today. Uh, I, I expected, of course, a ruling. I, I didn't expect this ruling, and I didn't expect it to go as far as it did. I wonder what your reaction was uh, when you heard the news yesterday. Well, we were thrilled. Um, you know, I think it's a huge victory for the people of Michigan, um, for the voters who really have had to endure rigged elections for the past, you know, four elections now and don't have to endure a fifth. So we were thrilled. So so let's let's sort of uh, uh, go over where we are in this ongoing, I guess, drama about how we draw district lines here in the state of Michigan. This case predates, of course, last year's ballot measure. Um, uh, but this case also um, also now affects us going forward into into 2020. 
Um, I was struck by the way that the judges, I thought, uh, drew a very detailed picture of why they thought what Republicans did here in 2011 uh, was was unconstitutional. I also felt as though it tacked pretty closely along the lines of argument that the Supreme Court has already been using uh, to determine whether uh, whether partisan gerrymandering goes too far. But but I want to get your reaction to to what they said and how they. Uh, how they put this this ruling together, the argument that underlies it. Uh, are you confident that it can withstand further challenge, maybe up to the Supreme Court? Yeah, and you'll see in the opinion, and um, this is true, you know, this court uh, um, joins a growing kind of chorus of federal courts that have been saying that, you know, what's happening and <clears throat> what happened in 2011 is um, you used the word unprecedented in the beginning, and, and that's exactly what happened. So behind closed doors, you know, politicians have, um, they kind of, they realize that with uh, new technology, these, you know, really sophisticated algorithms and um, freely available data, they could carve out these districts with searchable precision and basically predetermine the results of our elections. And, you know, the federal courts in uh, Maryland and um, North um, Carolina and now here in Michigan have said, look, this is done, this has been done to such an extreme level that you really are, um, taking away the rights of voters to, um, freely associate with whatever political party they want to. And, you know, you're really making a whole, um, group of voters. And in this case, in Michigan's case, it's Democrats, but in Maryland's case, it was Republicans. Right. Um, you make their votes count a lot less. Than um, you know the voters uh, that align with the other party, and that's that violates our constitutional rights to um, freedom of speech and association, as well as um, equal protection. And and I think it's really important to note that what the court is saying here, what the appeals court is saying here, is not that partisan gerrymandering itself is unconstitutional, but that this was an unconstitutional example of partisan gerrymandering. And I think that, of course, is one of the reasons that uh, the, the, the ruling, uh, again, tacks along the line of what the, the, the high court has been saying. They haven't said a whole lot about it. Uh, but, but what other federal appeals courts have been saying, this is not a question of good or bad in the sense of the overall picture of, of partisan gerrymandering. This is saying that in this instance, it was so egregious that it did violate people's constitutional rights. That's right. And, and you know, I think this opinion really underscores what Michigan voters um, have known, right, and have kind of um, lived through, is that our maps are some of the worst gerrymandered uh, maps in the entire country. And they have, you know, since 2011 when they were drawn, um, you know, in the next four elections, they've conferred a really unfair, extreme, um, particularly severe uh, uh, um, advantage to one party. <clears throat> uh, so let's talk about what will happen going forward. Who would draw these new district lines before 2020 if this ruling stands? Right. So, you know, the registering cycle that happens every 10 years, right? So um, this case really challenged the legislature's drawn maps um, from 2011. And the last election that they were to be used is 2020. And um, Proposal 2, which establishes an independent citizens commission, um, won't take effect until um, the next census data is out, uh, which also happens in 2020, which means the commission's drawn maps 
will um, take effect for the first time in 2022. So there really was one more election in 2020 where this, you know, where our gerrymandered maps uh, would have applied. And now this court is saying, you know, again, voters do not have to um, have their elections rigged, you know, to this extent, um, so much so that it takes away really um, the rights of um, all Democratic voters in Michigan um, for for any longer. And as of 2020, um, we have to um, <clears throat> hold those elections um, uh, using fair maps that are this time they're going to be redrawn by the legislature and they have to be approved by the governor. Uh, and if they can't do that, then the court will you know, itself draw the maps right. to be used for 2020. And, and so what that raises is the prospect of new legislatively drawn maps for the election that we will hold next year, and then in two years, uh, maps that are drawn by the new nonpartisan commission, that proposal too says uh, we, we need to use going forward. You know, I, I asked uh, Jocelyn Benson about this uh, a, a few months ago. That kind of, um, uh, I guess, repeated to sort of upheaval of, of the process uh, talk about whether you feel that that might it's itself uh, disenfranchise some voters, this idea of of switching maps as often as we will have to if this ruling stands. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I've heard um, comments to that effect, right, that special elections, that's kind of a um, really kind of extreme remedy and it's never happened before. But, you know, taking a step back and really, um, kind of reading this opinion for for what it is, which is saying that what Republicans in in our case um, did in 2011 really took away the voting rights of half of our state, hmm. right? So any voters that aligned with um, Democrats, they really had their votes count a lot less, and they were unable to um, to make their voices heard in the election process. And so that is such, um, I guess, that justifies. Um, you know, us really redrawing these maps um, so that we don't have to have yet any more elections in, that are rigged um, in favor of politicians, but against the voters. Mm. And my guest is Nancy Wang. She's the executive director of Voters Not Politicians, which is the group that spearheaded last year's successful ballot measure that was meant to end partisan redistricting here in Michigan. We're talking about yesterday's ruling by a panel of the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, that says the maps we're working with now that were drawn in 2011 also, uh, they violate the Constitution and will have to be redrawn before the 2020 elections. Uh, give us a call. Tell us what your reaction is to this ruling. Uh, how does it make you feel on an emotional level? What does it mean to you that uh, federal judges say the way you are represented in the state legislature and or Congress is rigged to favor one party over the other and rigged in such a way that it deprives you of your constitutional rights. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work you into the conversation, uh, Nancy. I want to ask you about the, the the number of districts here that were that are, that, that the court says were illegally drawn. Thirty four. Uh, it, it does seem very difficult to imagine that you could redraw those districts and not affect the rest of the map. So, so is this essentially 
uh, in practical terms, a redraw of the whole state or most of it, uh, in your view? Uh, or is this something that can be contained to those districts the court sort of singled out? Um, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure, you know, and I think, um, uh, it, as you point out, the districts are sort of interrelated in that each of them has to have equal population. So when you change the boundaries of one, you, you necessarily sort of have to change the um, boundaries of all the neighboring districts. So, um, you know, the 34 districts, um, why that number came about is because those are the districts that the plaintiffs in this case um, challenged. Mm-hmm. And so this unanimous ruling um, you know, the court found that, yes, in fact, all of the districts that they were challenged were unconstitutionally gerrymandered. Yeah. Um, I also wonder what you make of the rejection by Republicans of a settlement that was offered by Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson that w- that really would have resulted in a much less intrusive uh, way to deal with this. I mean, it, it seems like that just absolutely backfired for them and that the court went so much further than they they would have had to go. Uh, I mean, it, you know, people reject settlements all the time, I guess, but, but I guess it surprised me uh, that the court went so much further than that settlement uh, had suggested it needed to. Right. And again, you know, I think them having done so really centers of Michigan. So um, in that sense, I'm um, kind of glad, I guess you could say that that happened. But, you know, really, it just shows to me that, you know, there are there are um, politicians and, and political parties that, you know, really have used the, uh, the power of redistricting for so long to their benefit. And um, and they didn't really see anything that was wrong with it, right? Like to the winner go the spoils. And so I really um, appreciated that the court had the opportunity in this case um, to, you know, to, to say so emphatically that no, um, what you're doing here uh, violates the constitutional rights of your voters, your constituents that you're supposed to be serving. Hmm. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Robert in Bloomfield. Robert. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good morning. Hey, how um, are you? Question or an idea regarding the uh, redistricting. It always has seemed crazy that it's done in the convoluted way it is. Um, and I just am curious if it could be done where you would just take a grid over the state of Michigan with as many uh, uh, squares or rectangles as congressional seats we have <laughs> and then simply adjust them as minimally as possible to account for the population and that each district should have approximately the same number of people and make it as simple as that with no crazy squiggly lines or (laughs) uh, embedded, you know, areas of one district in another and and just that the mandate be just as as, uh, close to even rectangles as possible, you know, do it with like geometry in mind. Right. Right. No, Robert, I think that a lot of people who look at our maps now or who think about this process come to that same conclusion. Why can't you just start... With, with a grid, uh, Nancy Wang, uh, you, you were part of the policy team for uh, voters, not politicians. Tell us about how that process ought to look. Should we be starting with a grid? Should we be starting with uh, rectangles and, and going from there? Or is that impractical given the imbalance in population that you have geographically in this state? Yeah, I mean, I can see why that would have... Um you know, that would be an attractive idea because it seems like it's, um, you know, fair and impartial. But um, really, this 
the redistricting, you know, it kind of it stems from the idea that um, we want to have a represent uh, representative democracy where communities of people that share um, similar interests, whether it be you know where they work or you know the, what church they go to, um, can get together and consolidate their voting power to elect someone who represents their interests in government. Hmm. And so that's kind of where you get some of the squiggly lines and why you know because our neighborhoods and our communities are not. Um, rectangles usually. And so, you know, that really, the communities on the ground um, where we live and people that we share interests with, um, they really should be the the building blocks of our district maps. And that's really where it starts. Hmm. And that's kind of what um, Prop 2 puts back into place to say, you know, this independent citizens commission has to look at communities of interest and use that to build its district um, maps around. Uh, Robert, I really appreciate the call. And the questions, uh, let's go to Frank in Lincoln Park. Frank, what's on your mind? Hi, Stephen. Uh, Frank from Lincoln Park, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm down at the greenhouse, but before I go in, I thought I'd call in. Um, <laughs> listen, my um, hope for this initiative is that we are able to put, to put together districts where the representatives have to compromise if they have any hope of staying in office. Hmm. Uh, these districts where are solid red or solid blue, uh, those representatives get entrenched, and it's everything that's wrong with the system. Uh, we need to have compromise. And if we build these systems and we use this initiative to build districts that are, let's say, 50-50 Republicans, Democrats, conservative liberals, that representative is going to have to compromise if he wants to stay in office, and that's what we need to do in this country. Mm. Thank you, Stephen. Frank, I appreciate the call and the thoughts. Uh, uh, Nancy Wang, talk about that interest here. You were talking earlier about keeping communities of interest together, which is one of the imperatives when you're drawing uh, legislative and congressional lines, but is one of them also to create this this opportunity for you know, people who can reach across the aisle to have a better chance uh, of winning than people who who run to the extremes of, of either party. Yeah, well, I agree absolutely with the caller that what, what happens with um, gerrymandering, and, you know, really this is the intent, is to, it's to protect uh, a certain candidate or a political party uh, and to make it virtually impossible for them to lose um, and so what you have is you have politicians that, you know, don't have to answer to voters. They're not accountable at all, and, and they tend to go to the extremes. And um, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why our um, campaign to pass the Independent Commission really resonated with people all across uh, the political spectrum, because we could see that politicians were working for someone, but it wasn't for us, because they didn't have to listen to us, because we couldn't affect really the election results. So that's absolutely core to this idea of, you know, redistricting reform and fair and impartial maps. Um, in Michigan, it's, it's a little bit complicated, right? There, there are going to be districts where that are always, you know, I guess red, you could call it, or blue, or, you know, but, but definitely what we see in other states is that when you have fair maps, you get a lot more um, districts that are competitive than when you, you know, take a, again, just take the pen and kind of carve out a whole swath of um, voters and, and kind of, you know, predetermine your election results. Okay, Nancy Wang, Executive Director of Voters Not Politicians. It was really great to talk with you here on Detroit Today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
Up next, we're going to talk about growing your own food. What are the benefits and what are the challenges? And make sure you tune in on Monday. We're going to talk with guests and take your calls on whether you think Democrats in Congress should open impeachment hearings against President Trump. That's Monday on the show. Also, a reminder that if you have to miss any of the show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.